Thank you guys. Thank you so much. It is so great to be here. I was sitting with Eric there and I was just saying, man, I miss this. I miss this uh, the, the community. I miss the opportunity. And I mean, you guys are fantastic. And I, I so love uh, this church and what, what, um, what you guys are doing here and just the people. Actually, I just love all y'all. Now I have to say that because I'm from Texas now. Love all y'all. This is so good. <laughs> and y'all need to come visit us out there. So I'm working on my accents. I still have my Santa Fe accent, uh, which I'm still really good at, but people don't really get that when I do that there. So we are in a series. It's so great to say that. We're in a series, um, Fit 17. Eric has done a great job of communicating to us the need to be spiritually fit. And uh, he's talked about several things. He's talked, basically the core concept is this, that healthy people do healthy things. And if we can set up routines, that they will produce health. Or if we have some routines we shouldn't have, they can lead to death. Um, and that we need to engage in being spiritually fit. I mean, being healthy and those things are important. And it's part of being fit. But we also need to be spiritually fit. He's been encouraging us each week to um, pray, read the Bible, pray, read, <laughs> do, and do again, and those four things. Um, and he's hit several great things um, that we, healthy people, build a foundation, right? We set a foundation, and then we build from there. Um, my favorite, of course, was the, you don't have to, you get to. Which I thought, man, that's really great. Until Lori came and said, babe, you don't have to do the dishes. You get to. So, <laughs> chop, chop. <laughs> get to work. Then I didn't like Eric very much for a few minutes. But it worked out later when I flipped it on her. So, <laughs> so um, we've looked at those things. Um, Coming to me, being healthy about um, having discipline, creating discipline. He talked about self-discipline, creating a rhythm, how important that is, um, so that we can get into a place of doing healthy things and being spiritually fit. Today I'm going to talk about um, the next piece of that, which is really, this is the last one. And this is, to me, this is really the one that's the most important. And that is that we don't do life alone. To be spiritually fit, we can't really do life alone. And, and part of, and the reason is this. Okay, I don't know how it is for you. I'm expecting it's the same as what I experienced. I feel a tremendous pressure from culture to say, our culture today, to say yes to the things in our culture. Um, yes to things I know I shouldn't say yes to. Um, an example. Um, that time when you're standing in front of the counter and you, you know you shouldn't buy that thing because you really don't, the money's not really there, but Visa, it's everywhere you want to be. And I want to be right there with this thing in my hand, so swipe, you know, and swipe and swipe. And we get into this place of feeling the pressure to say yes to things we, we shouldn't say yes to. You know, and it, for, honestly, it's an onslaught. 
I mean, for, for me, I'm at the teen years were the worst, right? Because I, I'm doing pretty good to hold my own against spending more money than I have. And then I have my kids asking me for stuff all the time. You know, I, I remember, and I'm not against cell phones, so d- don't get me wrong here, but I remember my son at 12, year old, 12, 12 years old saying, Dad, I need a cell phone. I'm like, you're 12. You don't need a cell phone. You know, and then it turns, so no means escalate, right? So now it's, I'm going to be in the dumb kid group. All my friends have cell phones. I need a cell phone, you know. And then we're sitting there watching TV, and there's the Verizon commercial, you know, the family share plan. Dad, even Verizon says I should have a cell phone. (laughs) You know, and it was just constantly bombarded with this message of, Yes, you need to say yes, whether I can afford these things, whether it's healthy for him to have something like that at 12 years old, all the pressure and all the, all the time, all the pressure all the time. In fact, we get a million advertisements a year per person, unless you live in a cave. You get, I mean, right, you click the link on Facebook, right, and it takes you to that video, that cool video that you want to watch, and you can't even find it because there's so many advertisements. We consistently get this message, and that, yes, culture is in direct conflict with being spiritually fit because God says, you're, you're, you should be about me and about what, what, what is good for you and what's healthy and live within your boundaries and these kinds of things. And this yes culture is basically saying, hey, it's all about you. You should have whatever you want, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And our culture is pushing a yes message. Yes, you should have this. Think of the happiness. Hashtag don't think of anything else, right, except maybe you deserve it. And this is, this is why I'm saying that it's so important for us not to do life alone because we're constantly getting this bombard. We're constantly bombarded by this message that we should say yes. And we should have all of these things. Honestly, millennials right now are getting, you know, beat up right now about their entitlement culture. But really, our culture is bringing this message. And I know a lot of Gen Xers who act as entitled as any millennial. I think it's unfair because this is our culture. In fact, um, historians can tell you that um, the people who tell the stories shape the culture. Okay? The people who tell the stories shape the culture. So... Years and years ago, those were the dads and the grandpas and the moms, you know, and, and the community, you know, telling these stories about things that have happened and really shaping the culture, okay? The people who are telling the stories in our culture today, certainly the last 40 years, if not the last 100, are advertisers. They are telling the story. Watch, watch the ad, right? There, so I saw this one. This cute little girl, she's playing, you know, and she's got her dolls, and it's like even a little misty screen. It's not crystal clear. And you, you kind of watch her day as she's having tea with the donkey or the elephant, whatever it was. And they, they're just having this, she's having this fantastic, she's pulling every heart string for 25 seconds. I have no idea what this advertisement is about. I'm starting to think in my head, 
what, what, what are they advertising? You know, this little girl, she's having a great time. Who cares? You know, and, and of course, my wife might have a different response. But um, five seconds left in the commercial, the announcer comes in in, in these wonderful phrases. I mean, just this great voice. And he says, you know, you can't give her everything. But for everything else, there's MasterCard. <laughs> like, you are right. I have a little girl and she wants a cell phone. I need to just, I get, and whatever else she wants, I need, yes, yes, yes. Right. We're bombarded by that. In fact, uh, Dr. David Walsh wrote this in his book titled, No. <laughs> no, why kids um, need to hear it. And how and ways parents can say it, you know, name too long, really no is enough. That's his book. He says this, advertisers have learned that it is more effective to bypass the rational part of the brain and, and instead target the emotions. Listen to this, crafting messages that appeal to the pleasure, give you a feeling or need you never knew you had, or take advantage of your weakness for convenience and instant gratification. That is the message of yes culture. That that give you a feeling of a need you never knew you had. I experienced that. It was I was looking I was look, looking at Facebook and Mariah posted this thing about you know star. She it was a picture of her Starbucks frappuccino with like the little whipped cream stuff sticking out the top with a straw. I'm like that looks. I don't like them. I don't. They're too sweet. I just. Give me the coffee. That's what I want. And I'm looking at, you know, and it said something like, you know, got my frap, good to go, you know. And I was like, I want a frappuccino. I'm like, I don't want a frappuccino. You know, what's wrong with me? This is not something I want, you know. And it's, it's a need I didn't know I had that I really don't have. But that's the message. In fact, David uh, goes on to say, and it all adds up. Listen to this, okay. This is what we're being bombarded with. This is why we need a support group. It all adds up to a constantly reinforced cultural yes message to you and your children that all your needs and desires should be met instantly, exactly the way you want, so that you never have to wait for anything, key this, or deny yourself anything. This cultural message is all about us. It's all about me. What I want, what I need, things I didn't even know I want, now I want. I go on vacation and it's so great. I go on Facebook and I look at someone else and I hate my vacation. I should have done what they did. You know, I, 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 I need this thing. And, and here's the thing. I recommend this book. I think I put the title, yeah. I recommend this book, and you guys who just had babies over here, you're going to get this book from me, okay? It's coming. Um, when, 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 I lost my train of thought with that. <laughs> when, when, um, you're going to get this book, okay? <laughs> Let me just check. Am I in my pajamas? No? Okay. So, I think where I was going, oh, yeah, that's it. When, we, when we're thinking so much about ourselves and, our, and our, everything is about what, I, what I'm missing, what I'm not having, 
how I need to get these things to be happy, how I'm, I'm lost in this. I'm, my world revolves around me, and I'm only thinking about me. And the problem with that, as David points out in his book, is we've lost the ability to accept the fact that we can't have everything that we want. Right? He says that people who understand this concept that you can't have everything that you want are healthier people, they're more content, they've accepted the, that reality. You can't have everything you want. Okay, should we sing? You can't always have what you want. Come on. Right, that was written in the 60s when the Rolling Stones did that. It's good you didn't sing because, you know, we're in church and everything. So here's the truth, right? So here you have this contrast of yes culture all about me. And what being spiritually fit is, the truth of that, being spiritually fit is focusing on, on God, not on me. It's focusing on God and what God wants in my life while saying no to the things that compromise my spiritual health. So I'm not saying everything's bad. I'm saying this cultural message to say yes to everything is bad. And that we need to instead focus on being spiritually fit. And seeking God, right, pray, read, do and do again. As we focus on God, we're giving God an opportunity to, to impact our lives. We can have contentment that I, I don't need that. You know, but honestly, with this bombarding, bombarding that I get from culture to say yes and the pressure from those around me to say yes, because everybody's believing this message, I need a support group. You know, I, you know, hi, my name is Robert. I'm, you know, I'm powerless over my ability to say no in this culture and my life has become unmanageable. I believe in a power greater than myself can restore me to sanity. Made a decision to turn my saying yes will over to God, right? Those are the 12 steps. That's like AA. The reason that AA is successful is because they understand that self-control is a limited resource. And if you don't engage in a support group, a group that can hold you up and help you withstand this overwhelming uh, disease that you have to, to drink and to have alcohol and those things, that if you don't have that support group, you will drink again. They know that. NA, I mean, all of, all of that. It's all, I mean, that's why we have support groups. I, as a Christian, in order to walk in spiritual fitness, I need a support group, right? Common goals, common values, right? Don't do life alone. So I want to I prove this to you biblically, okay? Because, I, I mean, you probably believe me so far, maybe, but are you willing to commit to engaging in that? Look, I just want to show you this in Scripture, Okay, people tell me all the time that the Bible isn't relevant. And maybe you're here, you're a non-Christian, and, and you're, you, you believe, you know, eh, it's a bunch of old stories. You know, this is a new day and age. It, it does, it's not relevant to me. Okay, I'm going to show you that it absolutely is. In fact, I'm going to take you to a, time, a period of time, 600 B.C., where as you, we look at the story, it's pretty much what we're dealing with now. It's the same thing. It is relevant. The Bible is absolutely relevant. And if you're a Christian here and you get beat up with that sometimes, you, you can use this. And you can encourage people to say, hey, no, look, man, 
read this story. This is what we've got right now. We have this culture. They're saying yes. And really, it's not healthy. It's not healthy to say yes to everything. So I'm going to talk about Daniel and his bros, okay? So I try to make a little sanity. I almost put uh, Daniel and his hente, <laughs> right? <laughs> his primos, <laughs> right? <laughs> Did you get the rolling R? That's good, right? I'm practiced. All right. So here's a quick story, okay? These guys, Daniel and his, his most people know them as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, okay? These four guys are in Israel, and they are, they are spiritually fit. We can tell by what's happening in Scripture in this story that they are spiritually fit. Okay? So Babylon, the Babylonian Empire at this time, comes in and takes over Israel. And they pull out the good-looking people and the leadership and, and all of that. And I guess like, they pulled everybody, but they left some and all that. Anyway, so it's this thing. They, they take everyone back to Babylon. And the goal is this. The goal is to get them to assimilate into the Babylonian culture. Nebuchadnezzar was brilliant. It's what we see today, in a way, um, is that if you can get the beautiful people to adopt the culture, then the other, the people who respect them, who look up to them, uh, will follow suit. Is that not what we have today? Right? It is. It's the same. It's the same thing. So, um, can you give me the next slide? So, um, what happens is picking up in Daniel 1, chapter 1, verse 4. And you can find Daniel if you're not familiar with the Bible. Just hit the table of contents. This, it's just called Daniel. Okay? So Daniel, in the first chapter of the, Daniel's book, um, it's saying that they went, Babylon went in and they, they took the young men without physical defect, handsome. Right? These are the popular people. Right? Showing aptitude for every kind of learning. So these, they need to be fit. Intelligent people, they're, they're focused on, you know, trying to improve themselves. They're investing in themselves. Um, aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, well-informed. You have to study. You have to be intentional to be well-informed, quick to understand. I mean, these are all things that we've been talking about with fit and qualified to serve in the king's palace. So Nebuchadnezzar is going to have these guys serve in the king's palace, Right. So the goal was to teach them the language and the literature of the Babylonians. They would do this for three years. And they basically got full access. I mean, they, they ate at the king's table with the king. Um, it was a yes culture. I mean, whatever you want to do in terms of uh, the Babylonian culture, it was available for you to engage. Right? That's, that's us. That's us. Here's the thing. We can tell that Daniel and his bros were spiritually fit. Because in Daniel 1, 8, verse 8 of that chapter, it says this, But Daniel resolved not to defile himself. And really it sounds like, you know, defile, really this is what it means. It's, he decided he wasn't going to go with the yes culture. He was going to maintain his relationship with God, which he prayed daily, he read, and he did it, and he did it again. He, he said, I'm going to choose spiritually fit here. And I'm going to do everything I can to continue in this. And fortunately, through a set of circumstances, he was, he, there wasn't a lot of conflict in letting him do the things that were important to him to maintain his being spiritually fit. 
So we can tell that, that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego uh, joined in and did the same thing. So after this three-year term in Daniel 1.20, we see that um, it says that in every manner of wisdom and understanding, so they continue to invest in themselves, they continue to be intentional, and at this point I want to say they weren't doing this life alone, being spiritually fit. These guys relied on each other. To maintain being spiritually fit in every manner of wisdom and understanding um, about which the king questioned them. He found them ten times better, basically, than than anybody else. Ten times better. Right? Because when you invest in what God wants for you, you grow exponentially. And there's something called Grace, which really is a word that means favor, you have God's favor on your life. And when you turn your back on God and what God wants for you, and you, you just engage this, this yes culture only, you don't have God's favor in your life. You don't. This is so important. So these guys were chosen because they were fit. They were chosen because they were fit. In other words, it wasn't happiness that they were seeking. It wasn't happiness that they were seeking. There were four things that you can see in this passage. If you want to screenshot this slide, because I'm not going to touch them individually. They chose God-honoring convictions. They chose core beliefs based on God's word. Pray, read. They chose non-negotiable priorities. They resolved not to defile themselves and just engage fully in the culture. And they chose not to do life alone. They hung together, these guys. They chose to stay spiritually fit, investing in themselves, and they chose fit over happiness. That's what happened with these guys. And so as the story continues, you can read, because I encourage you to, to, some of you it might be, you know, take the Bible off the shelf, you know, flip it open. Okay, you guys need to get in, get in. You need to engage, right? So flip over to Daniel chapter 3. You can see that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego get their first real test where this yes culture has now severely crossed the line. The king, Nebuchadnezzar, he built this huge statue of himself and said, everybody has to bow down and worship these things. And these guys said, no. Sorry. <laughs> no. I can't do that because the God I serve, this relationship I have, he says, I can only worship him. So, No. So Nebuchadnezzar, he's not really good with no. He, so he heats up this huge furnace, you know, gets it ten times hotter than it's ever been, and they're going to be thrown into it. Okay? So he really doesn't like the word no. I guess is kind of what he's getting out there. So they get thrown in, and Nebuchadnezzar's watching, and now there's four people in there, right? One of them was shimmery. An angel. He, he, he can't figure it out. He calls him out. And, and basically God uses that in Nebuchadnezzar's life to change this empire toward God. 
it was because they were spiritually fit when it happened. They weren't doing life alone. They supported each other. They did the other things that needed to be done so that they could stand through a trial like that. Jeremiah 29.11 is really popular right now. If you go to, like, you know, the stores that have all the signs on them, you know, they've got the funny ones, like, you know, being a parent is like being pecked to death by chickens. And then next to it is, like, Jeremiah 29.11, which, if you don't know, it says, you know, it's God speaking for, I know the plans I have for you, not to harm you, but to give you a hope and a future. This is the reality of Jeremiah 29.11. Many of us read that and it thinks, sweet, God wants me happy. That's not what it says. That's not what it says. When these guys were standing in front of the furnace and the people who were supposed to throw you in, a few of them die because it's that hot. And you're, you're looking at the end of your life. Either way, they said, we're not bound. Whether we live or we die, we don't care. That's the reality of Jeremiah 29.11. My plan is not to harm you. I have a hope and a future. And these guys, are they're banking on that hope because they're going in. And they go in and find out, yes, in fact, God has a future. And because they're spiritually fit, they're ready to handle that. Daniel has the experience in, in chapter 6 of being thrown in the lion's den because he's choosing to, to continue to pray to God. Right? And he's standing at the edge of the lion's den. And he's going in. I have a hope and a future for you, Daniel. Don't sweat it. I got this. Right? Because they were spiritually fit, when the pressure came, God used them to turn the heart of an empire toward him. In fact, uh, in, in the Daniel in the lion's den, the king really loved Daniel, and he really didn't want him to be thrown in the lion's den. It was a set of circumstances that, that made that happen. He made the rule, but he didn't realize he was being duped. So he runs to the lion's den the morning after Daniel gets thrown in. And it says in Daniel 6.20, when he came near to den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice because he loved Daniel so much. Daniel, servant of the living God. So he knows Daniel, where Daniel stands. There's no, he's not being the secret, whatever. This king knows where Daniel stands in terms of spiritually fit. Daniel, the servant of the living God, has your God, read this, whom you serve continually, intentionality, intentionality in being spiritually fit, whom you serve continually, been able to rescue you from the lions. Daniel says, yeah, could you get me out of here now? Because this place stinks, right? Actually, doesn't say that. But he, Daniel, Daniel's fine. God spared him. He shut the mouth of the lions, and he was spared. And it turned the heart. That king made a new law that said people can only pray to Daniel's God. And that was the impact of that culture. Another Jeremiah twenty nine eleven experience where God did a miracle, and it's because these guys were doing the things to be spiritually fit, including not doing life alone. So Fit 17 is really about being spiritually fit for a purpose. God wants to do awesome things in your life. Okay, Typically, they're challenging. Typically, they're hard. They force us to mature. 
Those of you who've been parents for a while can testify, right? Parenting is like forced maturity. You are constantly put in a, in a position where you have to choose to be mature, to succeed for your kids. And they, they don't make us happy. I'm not sure God wants us happy. If, if you're ever saying this, you are absolutely living in the yes culture. If you ever say, I know it's wrong, but it will make me happy. And doesn't God want me to be happy? If you're saying that, you're lying to yourself. And you are lost in that yes culture. Because here's the spiritual truth for that. If it's not right, it won't turn out right. That's just how it is. And, and it hurts. Because it will absolutely come to that place. Many of us have experienced that. Can I hear an amen, right? Yeah. Our response then needs to be, no, no. I'm not going to spend money I don't have. I'm not going to engage in, in this yes culture for those things that I really should be saying no to. And I'm not talking about everything about culture. Certainly, you guys get that I'm not saying that. I enjoy going to the movies. I enjoy doing things like that. But there are times where I, I'm going to swipe and I really shouldn't use my credit card to pay for these things. A, a friend of mine, this is here in Santa Fe, okay? I, I was talking to a friend of mine Wednesday. Um, and she's, she's doing small groups. So this community, she's doing this community support group thing at her church, and they're, they're doing Dave Ramsey's uh, financial freedom thing. So they have worked with 40, 40, 45 couples. Okay, the average debt, not, not mortgage debt, the average debt of this group is $50,000 per couple. They have, uh, this blew me away, they have helped 40, 45 couples, 40 or 45 couples get out of two and a half million dollars of debt. That is from this. That is from living this. Yes, we want that too. Yes, 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 yes. Right? I'm talking a lot about money, but it could be it could be anything. You know, it could be alcohol. It could be drugs. It could be those kinds of really bad things. Retail therapy. It could be retail therapy. Right, financial things. I mean, you name it. If, you're, if they're selling it to you and you feel like you need to do that and you're not over here saying, you know, should I do that? Does, it, does that fit with God's principles for my life? Then you're not asking the right questions. And, and you need a, that's why you need a support group, right? No is a good response. No. My group and I, we're going to do spiritually fit. We're going to be spiritually fit because Daniel and his bros were spiritually fit for a purpose because God wanted to do things in their lives so so what if we engaged in spiritually fit what if we what if we did this I mean just think about your life what's going on the people around you the people you're praying for we all know somebody that we really our heart hurts for them because they are lost and we, we, we're praying for them and, you know, all those things. But really, we're, you know, if we're not here, I mean, if we're over here living this life of not being spiritually fit, we're, 
I want to say, we're not really helping God have that opportunity where he can really impact that person through us. What if we chose to be spiritually fit and are ready for that time when that event happens and we're able to say, hey, you know, God, you should give him a try. You should engage. You should invest. These are the things I've lived through. And God really helped me. He can really help you. And that opportunity exists because we're focused on what, um, focused on God and what God wants in my life. Because we're saying no to that. And we have this, this, these, this group of people who are helping us, helping our self-control refresh so that we can continue to stand for God in a yes culture. Right? So next steps. Um, do you want that or is happiness enough? Right? Do you want that? What if we did that? It, would, it could change people. And for me, for me, I, I, I like being happy. Don't get me wrong. I like being happy. But happiness isn't enough for me anymore. When I was younger, it was, it was like, you know. And I hear this. Parents say this. Well, she's careening her life off a cliff. But as long as she's happy. <laughs> I mean, not those words, obviously. But really, that's what they're saying. I, 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 I'm okay. I'll welcome happiness when it comes. What I want is fulfillment. I want a sense of fulfillment. And when I'm walking here and I'm engaging in this relationship with the Lord, with God, I'm experiencing fulfillment. So I want to encourage you today, right, as we wrap up Fit 17 and we talk about being spiritually fit, I want to encourage you to apply these principles that Eric and I have shared And I want to encourage you, my challenge for you today, small groups are coming, okay? You need a support group against this bombardment of culture of saying yes. You need that support group. Get in a small group. Engage. Invest in yourself. Create that rhythm. Create these routines that put you in a place of being spiritually fit. And watch what God does in your life. Watch what God does in your life. Now, maybe you're here and you're not a Christian. And you're in that place of, of saying like, you know, uh, I don't know. You know, I'm not sure I could ever be one. You know, you, you've had a bad situation with a Christian. That type of thing. Listen, I, I can't redefine Christianity for you. I can't. There, there, we, have, we have Christians who are doing really great, and we have some that, that are calling themselves Christians, but really they, they're, what they're doing is nothing Jesus would do. And I really would want to encourage you, if you're in that place, that beginning this investment, beginning this relationship with God, where you can have that opportunity to allow God to invest in you, and for you to invest in this relationship with God can change your life. Maybe you're in that place where you're running the yes culture because, I mean, what else is there? And if if you're going to die and just, you know, be eaten by worms, then who cares what I do with my life? But you know it matters what you do with your life. You know that. We all lead by example, whether we like it or not. Those who we influence in our lives, they're looking to us. 
don't you want more? Don't you want a sense of fulfillment? Don't you want to be in a place where, you know, life is good. It's hard, but God is with me. God is empowering me. I have this relationship with someone, and now I have a relationship with these people who can encourage me and help me, and I can live the best life possible. Don't you want that? It's not hard. If you want to engage in a relationship with God, really all you have to do is ask for that to happen. And and we call it prayer. In Santa Fe, certainly we've heard of prayer. And really it's just talking to God. And I I can take you through a, a very simple prayer where we just ask, invite God into your life and say, you know what, Lord, I... I've done a lot of things I shouldn't have done. I've said yes to a lot of things I shouldn't have. But really, I want this. I want that fulfillment. I want that relationship. Don't miss God because of some bad Christians. Don't miss God because you think Christians are this, that, and the other thing. Don't miss God. Jesus Jesus is God's son. He came to earth. He died for our sins. Basically, he took our place. Because we've, we've made a mess of this earth. God put us on this place and we wrecked it in a lot of ways. And God said, you know what? I'm going to provide a way for you to restore this broken relationship. I'm going to provide a way and it's my son. So Jesus came. He lived the life we should have. And he went to the cross and died. Took off, basically took all of my blame, all of... All of my guilt, all the things that I did, took on himself and died. He paid the penalty for my sin. If you're not a Christian, I mean, you, you have stuff you need to take care of. There's stuff, you know. You, there's something in you that says, I, I got to do something with these things I shouldn't have done. This is it. This is the thing. And as you engage in that relationship with the Lord, you can let go of all that stuff. It's as simple as a traffic ticket in concept. I go, I have to pay the penalty. Jesus says, no, this is not even going to be on your record anymore. It'll be as if I was the one who was speeding and I'm going to pay your ticket. That's really what happened in a simple, simple way. So if everybody would just bow your heads, close your eyes for a moment. I just want to give some privacy to those who may be considering this. And I want to encourage, encourage you right now. If, if you want to begin that relationship where you can experience fulfillment, where you can experience the support and the help so that you can live the best life possible, so that you can be a healthy person doing healthy things, if you want that, you want that relationship, just raise your hand. If you want to know Christ, know God for the first time. Amen. Thanks for that. Anybody else? Amen. Amen. Anyone else? This is your opportunity. Anyone else? Amen. All right. So I'm just going to leave. We'll just continue, eyes closed, and uh, we'll we'll just. Um, I'm going to lead you in a prayer, and really, this is you're you're engaging in this relationship with the Lord. So just pray this with me. 
Right, just say it out loud. Let's have everybody say it out loud to give them, you know, to make it more comfortable. Dear God, I've done a lot of things I shouldn't. Forgive me of those things that I did. And I just, I give that to you. And I receive this life that Jesus lived on my behalf. And I believe that he died for me and he rose again so that I could have this relationship with you. God, come into my life. Change me. Grow me. Empower me. That I can live the best life possible. In Jesus' name. Amen.